Hello and uh, welcome to the Pile Drivers and Podcast Wrestling Podcast. Uh, just two regular fans, uh, been lifelong lovers of professional wrestling, uh, the and everything that it's given to our lives, and uh, we're excited to share our thoughts and opinions on uh, the shows that we're spending our time watching, uh, as well as a couple of other things in entertainment from boxing to movies. Who knows? Uh, so listen in. I uh, hope you enjoy and uh, tell us what you think. All right, cool. So we are officially live on our very first uh, test run or podcast episode, depending on how well this test run goes. Uh, placeholder name. Uh, <laughs> I chose pile drivers and podcasts. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> I like it. I had a couple. Of, I had a couple of others like the let me. I was gonna call it like let me tell you something, or the bottom line, hot tag and false finish. So a lot of. I mean, we'll figure we'll we'll figure out a better one as time goes on because I'm pretty sure we can uh, think of some funnier ones uh, or some more eye-catching so ones. So we're on the I'll uh, take this one for now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, pile drivers and podcasts. Uh, so we're sitting on the eve of NXT Takeover Portland. Uh, main event being Tommaso Ciampa versus Adam Cole for the NXT Championship. Um, and we can run through the card really quickly. Um, but I think in right, general, we're going to have a lot of... You want to start at the I bottom and go to the top, or you want to go... Oh, yeah. Okay. So, uh, I'm guessing first match first is uh, looking at Tegan Knox versus Dakota Kai in a street fight. I'll kind of let you start this one off and then our are kicking, you know, right after. Okay. Yeah. So I think uh, with, uh, with Tegan Knox and Dakota Kai, I think that presents a bit of an interesting situation because all things considered, we haven't really seen not only that much of them, but that stellar of in-ring performances from either of them on television or at takeover since September um, uh, war games, when uh, Dakota Kai turned heel. She's only won one match on television. Uh, outside of uh, this week's NXT, when she had what was a pretty good match against Candice LeRae, there was a decent bit of back and forth, um, and she ended up coming out on top, and they did a good job of making her feel as though she was on Candice LeRae's level. The problem with that, though, is that Candice LeRae also has a pretty unstellar record on television. So even right. though people who are diehard wrestling fans and have seen Candice all over the place know Oh, okay, so Candace is a good wrestler. Have they done a good job of communicating that to NXT fans? I don't think so. And so it does it a win is a win that's is a, a win. That's right? a great question. So, so Alright, so we're back after some like technical difficulties. And uh so we were in the middle of talking about uh the match between Dakota Kai and Candace LeRae on this week's NXT TV. Uh and so I think we were talking about how they, they haven't done a good job of portraying Candace as a legitimate competitor, not competitor, but contender, really, outside of her performance inside of War Games to the NXT fans. But Which, that aside, oh, oh, go ahead. No, 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 I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But I was going to say, which is very interesting to me, right? Because, like, she goes on this on this run as a babyface, you know, like, she had the... The uh, kind of short rivalry with Io Shirai where she, uh, you know, where I don't remember if she came out on top. I remember uh, Io beating her clean in Toronto, but I don't remember if anything else came of that exactly. 
But that was where they ended it. Okay, so they only had one master, so very short lived. Yeah. So then you you add her into war games, and her and her and uh, Rhea Ripley go into war games four on two, and somehow they hold their own and win the match. But then we we still view Candice as it's like they use like Candice to put all the stock onto Rhea. However. You know what I'm saying? I don't think Candace gained any stock coming out of that match. You know what I mean? Because I believe uh, I it was a very big... Think... No, no, go ahead. I think you're right, man. Because like, uh, I think the match itself was a fantastic showing for Candace. I think that it legitimized her stake as one of the, the flag bearers of the women's division going forward. But then they squashed her right after with Shayna. Right, right, exactly. And that, and that was the confusing part because it's like we have this staple baby face, you know what I'm saying, that's kind of the heart, like I would say the heartbeat of the women's division. Um, and she's she's a likable in-ring competitor, but you, but somehow she's not legitimate enough to, to hold a bell or to be the face of the women's division. And it's very, uh, it's a very strange dynamic that they have going on with Candace. Yeah, it's interesting because I, I agree, and I think they they are portraying her as someone with a little more grit to her than than a character like Bailey or Old Dakota Kai, and that she can go the distance in the ring and take the initiative, which is something I think NXT does a good job of writing for their baby faces in general, is that they're not afraid to take offensive and be the one to throw the first punch. And I think they do that interestingly with Candace's character, that she throws the first punch a lot. Um, for example, coming out to, to keep Dakota Kai from using that knee brace on Tegan Knox and helping Tegan Knox get the win over Dakota Kai. Um, right. And I think eventually, we, I think within the next two years, we will see a substantial NXT Women's Championship reign by Candace LeRae. But she needs a strong heel character to work against, I think. Uh, she's a very virtue-signaling character. And so I think she's going to need someone like a Shayna Baszler or like an Io Shirai to play against. And so I think what we actually saw at NXT TakeOver Toronto was a glimpse into the future as opposed to a, and not, not necessarily the near future, but kind of the distant future. Um, for her as a character. But I think the win in and of itself, regardless of everything else with Candace, gives Dakota momentum going into NXT TakeOver Portland. Um, but let's talk about what that match specifically has in store. And I think uh, we're not going to see in a, like a Ciampa and Gargano styled street fight. I think a lot right. of action is going to be close in or close to the ring and focusing on that knee brace. I'd be surprised if we saw more than a chair shot. I, so, I, so it's very weird for me because I haven't seen very much of Tegan Knox, so to speak. Um, besides, you know, her coming back from um, coming, she came back from I don't know whether it was injury or something a couple weeks before yeah, War Games, and mm -hmm. then she, she came back. Uh, then she got attacked at War Games and came back for Dakota Kai. So I'm very, very interested to see like. It's very interesting to see when you put like these 
characters or, or performers in these types of matches to see how the chemistry will be. And really, hopefully, I'm thinking it's going to be the opening match of the card. Who knows? Um, but just being able to see how they work in a a stipulated match, so to speak. And I would agree. I think it's going to be more of a more of a sync because it may not even be as good as uh, Io Shirai and Candice LeRae was in a, in a street. I don't give it up. They were in a street. I that way to me. No, theirs was a straight match. Yeah, so I don't even know if their match tonight is going to be even as sets the bar as good as that match was at Toronto. So we really have to just see how they are. I'm very interested, but I kind of like um, I like this match now to hopefully be a longer rivalry than they had with EO and Candice. I would just really, really like to see them kind of drag this one along to maybe build Dakota as a credible heel for whoever may come out of Mania as the NXT Women's Champion because I think that's where NXT is like kind of lacking is with the heel women, a strong heel woman since Shayna is apparently on Raw yeah, uh, yeah, I agree. And like Bianca, I think is doing a good job of trying to carry that. EO has done a good job of saying like, "Hey, I'm still here. I'm still present." But no one has established themselves as a dominant front runner. And if Shayna left a huge shadow, it's hard to contend with the type of heel that she was. And I think maybe, and that's another thing is people kind of take for granted just how long the wrestling year really is. And when you look at the fact that we had two years of Shayna Baszler dominating that roster, a little bit, you get used to it, but a bit of a breath of fresh air of just four months of Rhea Ripley tearing through fools might actually be exactly what the roster needs. Um, just a little bit of shaking house and giving it some breathing room before someone really establishes themselves as a front runner. I actually think the opening match is going to be Rhea and Bianca, I think, in terms of strong showing right out of the gate title on the line because nxt does typically like to do title matches uh in the beginning uh if i'm if i remember correctly um and i think of the ones that's the right one um because it's hard not to want to give Rhea that main event spot so when you really think about it the 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 other in a card of only six matches the other main event spot is um is going to be that opening match. And then you could go uh, right into the North American title match uh, between uh, Dominic Dijakovic and Keith Lee. Which, what are your thoughts on that match? Because we've seen the match already. Right? Yeah, so, so that... What... Uh, I, I kind of had mixed... Fit. I really kind of wish they would have used uh, Damian Priest in this spot, honestly. Because I think that's more of a... Like, because to me, I think I think it was just a bit too predictable, which is not a word, which is not a word I use very often when describing the booking or NXT as predictable. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I just think Dijakovic winning. What did he win? He won. He won a one-on-one match or a triple threat match, something like that, to get the shot. One-on-one uh, against against uh, Damian Priest. So I just really thought like this would have been a good time to possibly like have Keith Lee go into his first rivalry against someone like Damian Priest 
where you could build stock in Damian Priest as well as as well as build Keith Lee at the same time. Um, mm-hmm. I, I'm just not sure. I'm like very very like intrigued or interesting interested in um, another match between Keith Lee and Dodger Culver. You know, because I mean we kind of already know. You know what I'm saying? They've hit the ceiling of what their in-ring chemistry could be. Like, we've seen this before, yeah, so it's not yeah. like we're going to see anything different tonight. Um, yeah. So, I don't know. Yeah, I think that it's a safe storyline that where you can hit a lot of crowd favorite spots and uh, deliver on... I don't know, just kind of the expectations of that match. And I do think that it is giving just credit to two big men who did redefine the idea of a big man on the indie wrestling circuit and bringing it to NXT. But I don't think it goes beyond tonight. And I think more of what it is is removing Dominic Dajakovic from that tag team title picture and potentially moving him somewhere else. Now, I also think that we're going to get... So NXT doesn't do... um, screwy finishes at takeovers which i do appreciate however we could see and i don't know who it would be but we could see someone present themselves to keith lee if not tonight right after the match then next week when keith comes out to say all right i've beat one who's the next one to come along and then we get one of these unknown underly to like underused guys um that are sitting in the back and came over from that nxt breakout tournament especially um to present themselves with something because i think this is a throwaway match to avoid creating a long-term program with roger strong because he's very busy with velveteen dream right right but you know the name I would like to see them use if you're going to go ahead and step out from the Dodger Club, which I think is a good booking decision. I honestly like Killian Dane to be like a guy that, but I think he's a he's a he's a dark horse guy. He's a guy that's not really being used right now, um, and I think he could be a very interesting. I think it would be a very interesting dynamic to have he and Keith Lee kind of in a rivalry um, going forward. So I really, really would like to see um, what yeah. those two could do together in a ring. And I just think, I don't know that you would have to necessarily big up uh, Killian Dane in the situation, but I think you could make a, you know, a long, a long work out of Killian Dane and Keith Lee. I think it would be very entertaining. I think you to expose Killian. You know, so I think my biggest issue with Killian Dane is actually my same issue with Damian Priest, just on a different level. I wish that Killian Dane was a a stronger performer. I think uh, when you look at that um, triple that match between Damian Priest, Pete Dunne, and Killian Dane, it was Pete Dunne carrying two other individuals who were moving too fast creating a, a number of like botched scenarios. You had Dan, uh, Killian Dane so out of breath. It was basically just him being out of breath for about 20 minutes. And it was honestly hard to watch. It was the first time I have ever considered skipping a match at a takeover, ever. Um, dating back all the way to the first takeover. And so I, I think it is difficult to get 
what many would consider to be a strong showing on a big stage with Killian Dane and his rivalry with um, Matt Riddle exposed his technical weaknesses and his character weaknesses, right? He has this, I have the same problem with him that I have with his wife, Nikki Cross, is that they are kind of one note uh, screaming at the camera, punching themselves in the face characters that have no depth to them. And it's like, right. okay, so you're deranged and crazy, but in what way? It feels lazy the way Dean Ambrose's character used to, of, of just like, oh, if I stick my tongue out and I move my arms weird, people will think I'm crazy. As opposed to saying, like, cutting a good promo, right? If you're going to have a crazy character, you better be hot on the fucking mic. Um, or say nothing on the mic. As opposed to walking down the aisle to very generic, um, like, post-hardcore version of Mick Foley's music. And then having your ass crack out for 20 minutes while you sweat through the ring mat. I just... And then you put him in there with someone like Keith Lee, who is very athletic and is stronger than him. And I think you're just going to overshadow Killian in pretty much every way. Like, right. <laughs> that's 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 actually very very funny. Uh, <laughs> um, I mean, yeah. So so as far as like, and I'll give my predictions for this match, obviously, um, because I think I think it. it it doesn't take a rocket scientist to know that they're trying to go places with Keith Lee and Dominique Dijakovic is not the answer to derail that train. Um, especially no, when no. we've seen them in singles matches. I, I say Keith Lee wins this match and wins it very, very clean. Like I don't think there's no no nonsense going on with this one. I think it's a very clean finish, yeah. which all the matches may have clean finishes. I do have a, a sneaky suspicion about one that may not. Um, but we'll get into that one later. But I do have Keith Lee retaining the North American title tonight. Dodger Kobe's just not nice. that guy. Yeah, same. I just don't think I don't think this picture is where Dodger Kobe fits right now. He obviously doesn't fit in the main picture. Uh, he's obviously not a cruiserweight, even though he likes to wrestle like one. I think right. that um, putting... <laughs> Putting Dijakovic in a makeshift tag team with somebody though going forward, just and I don't I don't like to say keep a guy busy, but I do think to kind of repackage a guy, give him a purpose when he is going to get knocked to the back of the line here. Um, but I think we've got there's guys like Cameron Grimes, there's guys like um, I don't remember his name, but he had a phenomenal match with Roderick Strong on this week's NXT uh, TV. Um, who are coming like Kushida, like give uh, Kushida versus uh, Keith Lee. I think the problem there is you have two very, very likable guys. So I don't think you're going to get a long program out of it. I think what Keith Lee yeah. long-term needs is a strong out of left field heel character that can take the ball, run with it and challenge him. If not physically, at least psychologically. Um, Killer Cross from uh, TNA, someone that you're probably very familiar with, did just sign with WWE and right. could very well fill that fill that role going forward. So he was kind of my like back pocket. If we were going to see somebody make a surprise appearance, uh, it would be Killer Cross. Uh, that's actually very, very honestly, actually. Think about what's next for Keith Lee because I can't. Think of anybody on the roster because 
obviously the North American. They may sprinkle in a rematch for the North American title with him and Roger Strong on a random uh, on a random NXT one week, mm-hmm. but um, for the most part, I just I don't know who you could. Unless you came completely oh, oh. out of left field with like Finn Balor or something like that. I was just <laughs> about to say that yeah, because Finn, yeah. Lee and Finn had that run in, um, yep. and I thought it was good. I think that Finn is going over at Takeover over Gargano. I think we're gonna have a great match. I think that Finn is gonna wear Johnny down. The problem with that though is that I don't know how you come out of the Johnny and Finn match and not establish a long feud unless you turn Correct. the North American Championship scene into a triple threat involving Johnny, Finn, and Keith Lee. Because I think that's the way that you keep any of them from taking damage, right? Because say Keith wins in a triple threat where Johnny and Finn are tied up with each other. It doesn't make any of the three men look bad. Um True. And vice versa, you have Finn go over. It's like, oh, well, you know, Keith Lee just kind of got chopped down by two smaller men. But then Whereas I think they've had... Used... No, sorry, not to but... Well, I, th- I think they've used Finn so wisely on the main roster, like especially against Brock, that I don't think it could do one-on-one with Keith right now. Correct, and that, that was going to be my thing with having him... Uh, with having him and Keith right now. For one, it might just be too big of a name too fast, but I do agree if the play is to have him go after this whole Dijakovic thing, if if the goal is to have him go into a long-term feud with somebody, I mean, personally, I think Finn Balor would be the choice, but I honestly kind of hope Finn Balor, Johnny Gargano have like a Tommaso Ciampa, Johnny Gargano type of rivalry going forward. Oh, that's what I really hope. I hope like they have that real good in-ring chemistry where we it's a match where we want to see more. And I don't want to see the typical uh, regular match, street fight, three stages of hell. Like I want to see them do something very creative uh, with those two, and let yeah. you know yeah. what I'm saying, and let creativity take over for those two. Not so mm-hmm. much just. Not so much just the typical. I mean, we've seen it with uh, Gargano. Ciampa was three. They did three stages of hell, right? Yes. If I'm not mistaken. Those two did three stages of hell. And then him and Adam Cole for the NXT title, they did three stages. So it's just like, okay, like, generally, like, from where, I, where I'm sitting, I like to see three stages of hell be, like, a last resort, which they've used it, but I think they've used it too often. Like, I would like to see, yeah. you know, like a regular... I don't know, a last man standing match or an I quit match at a takeover. Something yeah. to that ilk to really to really drive home the uh to really drive home the the disdain that these two may have for one another character role. You know what I mean? So yeah. So I, I think Cargano uh, and and Ciampa did not have the three stages of hell, they just had a really long street fight. But they wrestled. Cause didn't they wrestle twice? I, I swear they wrestled twice. And one was at Takeover Chicago two, if not mistaken. And then yeah, and that was almost, the Chicago Street fight. Right, and, and then, then I, I, yeah, we had to look that one up because I swear they they, yeah. they wrestled yeah. three stages kill. I do think that their match in uh, Takeover New Orleans was a straight match. 
Oh, they have three. Yeah, they went to oh, took over two. Unsanctioned. So you had an unsanctioned match. You had a Chicago yeah. street fight, and then okay, then the unsanctioned match is what I'm thinking. Yep. Oh no, no, they did the three stages again. Oh wait, no, 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 they did. Yeah, because I, I remember that being a big deal with Cole, that that was the first time Three Stages of Hell had happened in a while and ever on NXT. And they didn't even want to call it Three Stages of Hell, because I think just for marketing purposes, but calling it a two out of three falls match. Um, I think uh, I think that Gargano and Balor have the opportunity to have, they will definitely have the best technical match of the night. I don't think there's any doubt about that. I think the tag team match uh, would be a strong competitor for it, but I, yes. I do think that when you look at the ability of those two men to put matches together and the way that they have spun the web of this rivalry, I think they did a fantastic job of making sure it didn't just feel like any other rivalry. You know, Finn came in, he put a target on Johnny's back, and then Johnny put one right back on him. I think right. that's brilliant, simple storytelling. It's different than any of the other storylines we've got going on. And I think the uh, Finn's whole thing of, you know, I don't, I don't miss, so you'd better not. I think right. he's done a good job of saying, like, the resident sniper is taking on the guy who took his spot when he left. And I think it's going to be the most brutal match of the night, even including the street fight. I think we're going to see uh, use of tables. I think we're going to see uh, a more stiff in-ring style from both of them, like especially Finn as a heel, like he lays it in. And right. we've right. seen Gargano pick it up over the last couple of weeks, even at um, Worlds Collide. Like you definitely saw a more aggressive side to Gargano. True. And True I do indeed. think that that is in preparation for what Finn brings to the table. Um, and I just think that it doesn't hurt Johnny to lose this match. Oh, see, but that's where I am. Finn... What are your thoughts? I, Man, I just, dude, it's, it's weird. Like, because it's like, we get Johnny in these big spots. He's beloved by the fans. But we put it, we know he's great, right? He's been an NXT champion. Uh, all that. He has the accolades. But it's just like, it seems like to me lately, the play is just like, I right, have Johnny eat this pin. Have Johnny eat this. You know what I'm saying? Like, you did it against Cole. You did it against, like, and I guess, I just don't, I personally would like to see them give round one. If this is going to be a long-term booking thing, I would really like to see them give Johnny this. Not give it, but I could. And it's very well, so hard. So if the heel loses, though, the, the heat is squashed is my, my issue with it. Right, right. Loses where he has no claim to this anymore. Yeah, I, I get like a heel getting comeuppance, but I do think, and they did this before with Johnny, and it, it is very classic WWE babyface booking of yeah, they eat the pin, but they fought their absolute hardest, proved to this heel who claimed to be so dominant that there is a chink in their armor and that they can bleed, and so they're just going to keep digging because it makes sense for the babyface to keep coming back and digging and attacking the mountain you know the 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 army of xerxes is only as strong as xerxes himself kind of idea right. and i think we saw it with gargano versus andrade 
we saw it with Gargano against Ciampa that it really doesn't matter if Gargano loses, he's still the number one babyface in the in the brand. Now that is and very true. Whereas if you had Finn lose, Finn's the back to the back of every line in everyone's mind. Because it's just kind of, you know, you said you were going to do it, and then you didn't do it. So why should we believe you next time? Um, That's Whereas true. if he wins, you slingshot him, and you get, you've given now, because now he's taken Riddle, and then he will have taken Gargano, and that will give you legitimacy to his claim that the prince is back, and long-term-wise establish him, not that he needs establishing, but re-establishing him as this figure that needs to be watched and i think it sets him up really well with this interesting kind of dark prince of nxt character of all he has to do is pick the time and place and he could be champion but that would be very interesting because i think unless that's the play i think that's why you have him go over you know what i mean like because i don't know if if he comes out of this as let's say the quote-unquote winner of the rivalry, it would be hard for me to see him and Keith Lee at that point because at this point now we've established him as 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 he should be as the main competitor for he and, uh, he and Tommaso Ciampa, which I think would be long-term very, very good because it does, it, that would do two things for NXT. A, it would take Adam Cole out of the spotlight, which... There's nothing wrong with having Adam in the spotlight because he's carried, he's been the face of the program for what a year and a half now, with the undisputed yeah. era, and they still can be, they still can be as strong as ever without the titles. And I think right now we're in the transition of seeing that as well, because uh, I wouldn't be entirely surprised if by the end of Takeover Portland, if the undisputed era ha- has no goal. But I think this would go to a situation of seeing him, seeing them as a unit without any belts. But going back to where where my original point started, like being able to see Finn and Ciampa might be something worthwhile, you know, and then you kind of give two other guys, guys like time in the spotlight. So Mm -hmm. it's, I don't know, it's, because maybe you could do one more match or something going into Mania between the, or I think it's TakeOver Tampa, which is the night before, uh, the night before WrestleMania. So you could end that rivalry there, or you could just go ahead and have, uh, which I think should probably be the play. And then possibly after Mania, you go uh, NXT title, you know, between Ciampa and Finn Balor. I could see that, yeah, because I think that NXT does a better job of long-term booking. Like, it's not just pouring dog food on Roman Reigns for six straight months. <laughs> I think I think they do a good job of continuing to put a layer of depth on each of these storylines because they do continuity, right? There is the, the theme on the main roster of we're going to try a thing this week. If it works, we'll see. We'll see how it goes next week. Like, Mojo Raleigh has shown up as 12 different variations of the same character got his ass whooped by somebody and then disappeared for three months. Who knows how many times, right? But that never really happens on NXT. And I think that if you were to push for Ciampa and Finn by TakeOver Tampa, 
it's leapfrogging a lot of really important things they've got going on. Because I right. do think that you could carry Gargano Finn into something truly special at TakeOver Tampa. Um, and I don't know if it's the demon. I think that needs to be... If if heel Finn is going to bring out the demon, it needs to be to really, really elevate a baby face. And there is really no one to do that with outside of Gargano at the moment. I also think uh, on the Ciampa and Cole side of things, they're doing some really interesting character work with Ciampa. And Ciampa over the past two years has, I think, done the best job of true character acting on any of the shows of any wrestler, I think, since probably Mick Foley. Like, his ability to really tap into something special and twisted within himself. Um, right. You know, we've had the, we've had this baby-faced Ciampa because he got so over as a heel, they didn't have, didn't even have to work when he came back. He came back as a baby-faced, very reminiscent of yeah. Triple H in 2002 when he came back from that quadricep injury and his music hit and he was the most over guy in the company immediately. Ciampa sure. is definitely at that position now. And I think that they, they're slowly, we saw it on this week's NXT and uh, where he had a backstage segment and you could see the obsession. You got to see like little pieces of it come out starting from right before worlds collide, right? He's been funny. Um, I'd like to be the first to welcome you to the main roster is still the best piece of mic work I have heard in a very long time. Right. Um, but I think, uh, he's slowly unraveling and becoming the psycho killer we all know and love, which plays into something that they're starting with Roderick. I think Roderick Strong is the first indicator that the Undisputed Era is going to go babyface after WrestleMania. Interesting. Yeah, because the stuff that's happening with um, Dream, Dream has like a legitimate gripe with the unspeeded era they put him on the shelf for months but the way he's doing it even the the references to ravishing rick rude but going after his family it is making roderick a very sympathetic character and he's been coming out to the ring without the unspeeded era which underscores that he is at odds with them at the moment and it's only a matter of time before they're going to have to back up their friend and i think at that point, they're all in a justified front against this new hot on the mic for the first time in his career and sinister character that is Velveteen Dream's current heel persona, um, which is brilliant. Present him, present him as what should have been a baby face and then turn him heel is the, the best execution of that I've seen in a while. But I do think that that's going to come full circle and we're going to see the whole Undisputed Era as a baby face faction going going forward in 2020 which is going to yield really well to this very psychotic and possessive Tommaso Ciampa over what I I think will be the NXT championship coming out of NXT Tampa and then we'll get Finn's bullseye targeted straight on Ciampa and Goldie on Ciampa after and, so, and so we, I think that so would go pretty- special so as far as predictions for Finn and uh, Johnny, you have Finn going over tonight. I have Finn going over clean. Uh, as far as I, oh man, I want to take Johnny so bad, but 
all the I don't know, all the arrows do point to Finn long term. Because I guess if you're gonna catch so how did they do it? So that's that's my thing. How did they do it once Johnny beat Tampa? I, I don't remember which match he but how did they continue that storyline on for them to wrestle two more times or however many times it is? Because I know he didn't win the last match. So how so was it? The, the Chicago Street Fight was not. I think how they continued that rivalry is the best booking of professional wrestling I have seen in a decade. Um, so what they did was Johnny Gargano and Ciampa wrestled a non-title match. Um, that Ciampa won and became the number one contender for the NXT Championship. And he beat Aleister Black kind of clean, but also because Johnny Gargano got involved in a way that inadvertently ruined the match for Aleister. And Ciampa won the belt on NXT TV to resounding boos. Then they were supposed to have a triple threat match, and Gargano uh, took went crazy and took out Alistair in the parking lot to make it their one-on-one match at New Orleans. Okay. And that that was how they kept that one going because they went they kind of turned Johnny this obsessive heel character for a little bit as well. And then Ciampa got hurt and they just immediately flipped Johnny right back because he was so over. Um, But that was such a a good way to get that rivalry going for a long period of time. And there was even a moment where Alistair came back and got his retribution on Johnny. On Johnny, yes. Yeah. Great match. And so, yeah, Uh, that, that was so good and multifaceted. It was the most complicated storytelling that they've done, but it was very easy to follow um, right. in, a, in a linear fashion. Yeah, I would. It's hard not to go back and just watch all of that that whole series of things, but they're doing such a good job with everything they're doing right now that I kind of can't take my eyes off of NXT as a brand. I think I'm going to go so, off the wall here, prediction-wise. I think I'm going to still take Johnny. It's just gut feeling, although everything in my head is saying Finn. I think uh, NXT has the ability to uh, sprinkle over some unpredictability, which is what I like. Uh, so I'll, I'll go Johnny here. I'm, I'll go Johnny. Okay, I can see that. Yeah, I'm very interested to see how that one goes. Um, so the tag team match uh, is the other, um, the only thing outside of the main event that we haven't really covered. Um, oh, we haven't said what we think about the women's title match either, but I think much like everyone else, we have written Bianca off. I think it's going to be a good match. I think it's going to be a good opening match, but I think Rhea's going to win. Um, not think... clean, though. I do not believe that that match in. You know what? I will be honest. I don't think we get a win. I don't. I, I'm I'm of this belief and of this because here's here's how I would do it, and I'm just saying how I personally would do it. Um, if I was making the booking decision, I would have because I think they planted the seed 
this Monday night on Raw, I don't know if you had a chance to take a look at it. Rhea's in the ring after she defeats Sarah Logan. And, you know, they, they cut a small promo and she asks um, Charlotte, hey, what's your answer? And then Charlotte goes, Rhea, let me ask you a question. How do we know you're even going to be the champion after Sunday? And then she drops the mic and walks out. So I think you plant a little seed there to where we're thinking. I personally think how it goes and how I would do it. I would have Charlotte cost Rhea the match tonight, have Bianca win the belt, which of course it would be a little fast, but then we plant the the seeds to the storyline going into Mania, right? Mm-hmm. So Charlotte decides to still take on Bianca, but somehow, kind of how Rey Mysterio did back in God knows how long ago that was, 2008, 2009, whatever, when he uh, earned his uh, way into a triple threat match with uh, Randy Orton and Kurt Angle for the World Heavyweight title. Rhea Ripley does that, and she goes over at Mania, pinning Charlotte to win her belt back, and then on her mm. as your image. That's good. I, I think the only hole in it is that there's a takeover the night before. And so if Rhea was still trying to stake her claim, she would do it in the match at takeover, you would expect. Right? Because that was the other flaw that I think they had was that Rhea was undoubtedly going to have to defend her title two nights in a row. Because there's no way she doesn't defend it in NXT Tampa. And then would have to go into defending against Charlotte, unless Charlotte went to wrestle a takeover and not a match at WrestleMania, which I don't think. I don't that think would defeat the can... whole purpose of the Royal Rumble, you know? Exactly. Yeah. And that's and the, I, yeah. Also, like, Charlotte is too big of an attraction to not have on your mania. But um, you know what so I'm I thinking? Think it's very weird, right? So I think the dynamic. The of, right. It's, it's, it's a very weird dynamic, right? Because. Um, we did see, guys, I think that was, what, TakeOver War Games and Survivor Series that were in back-to-back nights, if I'm not mistaken. And we saw a lot of people do double duty. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, it worked out pretty well for NXT, or at least the way they booked it, it worked out very, very well. What I believe is yeah. I believe that TakeOver Tampa, you don't, you kind of feature some of the other people because, like, I don't believe the NXT championship will be defended at TakeOver Tampa. I do believe that's going to be defended at WrestleMania. The NXT women's title is not going to be defended at TakeOver Tampa. I believe it's going to be defended at WrestleMania. So what you do is you let your North America's champion, Keith Lee, be the headline of that show. And you cattle, and that's another way in which you can use Keith Lee to catapult him into stardom. You know what I mean? You let him, but you have to give him, a, like you, like mm. you said, you have to give him a I strong. I don't think you can build it enough for that. You know? I don't think. Or, don't think or you let, or you let Roderick and Velveteen, or you let Roderick and Velveteen take the reigns of that. I just don't think it's feasible to have the belt, both of those belts defended twice in two nights. You know what I mean? By your yeah. champions. Like, I, I think that's a lot to ask because you're asking, you're talking about the biggest stage of them all and 
for either champion is going to be the first time that either of them are on that stage. So to ask your champion to to defend at a takeover and then a big enough storyline to defend at WrestleMania just seems completely unfeasible to me in either scenario. You know what I'm saying? Like we know Charlotte is going to get a match at at um we know that Charlotte is going to get a match at WrestleMania because that's why she won the Royal Rumble. So if it's going to be Rhea or the NXT champion, I believe your best bet is triple threat go that route. That way you don't bury Bianca, right, who's been hot. You don't lose any stake in Rhea, right? And then you build the fuel to the Rhea-Charlotte rivalry that still includes the women's NXT title. Yeah. I think that if you don't have the title, do double duty, that you kill TakeOver in both cases. Like, I, I don't see a reason to defend the men's belt on WrestleMania. That card is already too big. The show is already too long. Vince wants the show shorter. Um, I don't think there's any point in doing it in that venue. Um, I think the NXT crowd and the arenas are tailor-made for that belt. So that, I think, will be defended in NXT Tampa. The women's title, I think, same deal. If you remove it from that show to have it put on the other show exclusively, you are devaluing the ticket of your pay-per-view. And I think fewer people are going to tune in because I do think that Rhea draws eyes. And so it does. I think it does. It does. I think that it's going to have to be double duty. And I think there's also the problem that if... Rhea is in the NXT title picture. She's going to say Bianca wins. Because I do think you're right. I do think that Charlotte is going to create some sort of interference and cost potentially cost Rhea the title. Now, if she does, that could be them wanting to remove the title from the equation so that if Rhea wins, it's not. Or if Charlotte wins, it doesn't create this weird, is Charlotte going back to NXT thing. The problem with that is then Charlotte will have wasted her Royal Rumble victory on a non-title holder. Um, Correct. That's the that's the real the swerve there. The swerve there is that Rhea Ripley could be a surprise entrant in the Women's Elimination Chamber and win the SmackDown Women's title. You know what? I really... Oh, man, dude, I like that because then we will finally get out away from this terrible Bailey character, right? <laughs> Yeah. Which, ah, Jesus. Yeah, we get out from up under that, and then we still get what we want. Charlotte, what, uh, and then everybody comes out on the greater side of things because now you put the, now you put the title on Bianca Belair, who I think can really carry that division, um, as a heel champion. You, you have more baby face. Uh, contenders, legitimate contenders on the women's side anyway, then you have this hot heel that you can pick from a host of of uh, baby faces for her to, to face, and then you still don't lose the Rhea-Charlotte uh, match at WrestleMania, and then it solves the issue of having your belt defended at TakeOver. That's probably really the best Either way, I do. I, I'm, I'm. The more I talk about it, I'm talking myself into predicting that Bianca Belair will win. Yeah, I've kind of come around to it too. I, I think I'm actually going to put my money on Bianca. 
because I think yeah, it makes regardless, sense. yeah, because if you look at the number of quality female talent, NXT has more than the other two shows. Period. Correct. And I think they're both hurting for new blood. Um, literally, literally, in the case of Shayna Baszler vampiring the shit out of. Oh um, man, Becky dude! Lynch. Oh man. <laughs> that was good. Oh, that shit was good. There's no way around it. Uh, but was... we'll, we'll cover that on our, on our weekly <laughs> on our weekly show. Um, yeah. But but uh, I do think that Bianca, not Bianca, I do think that Shayna and Rhea are moving on because I think they pushed Rhea into the NXT Championship picture very quickly to get Shayna to move on, and because yes. they wanted her to have a reign under her before she moved on as well. I really I genuinely feel that she's been in. She's been in Royal Rumbles. She's been all over the main roster. They hype her big time. She is dynamic in the ring, has an incredible presence. She's got the look. She's got the music. Like, she is raw and SmackDown ready, I feel. And I think that the women in NXT, more so than the men, need the breathing room. Because that'll give people yes. like uh, Tay Conti. That'll give people like Candice LeRae. That'll give people like Io Shirai the opportunity to shine. Um, hell, even like Tony Storm and some of the some of the women over in the UK. Zia like, yeah, I kind of like Zia. Oh yeah, Zia. Zia yeah, Lee's got got potential. I do think that she's got to clean it up a little bit, but outside of that, yeah. yeah but I, I think I think they're moving on. I'm curious to see how they're going to do it. And you and I can do like a post WrestleMania prediction thing. I think. The way you do it without devaluing NXT is to make a draft. But the problem with that is, are you going to start drafting some of the people who are not being used well on Raw and SmackDown, like Sami Zayn, back down? Alistair Black is another one that probably. I think they got big plans in 2020 for Alistair. I think I hope. either going into Mania or post Mania, they've got. I think they've got something planned for him. If they don't, he's gonna they're gonna fuck around and he's gonna leave. So I don't know, so so um, we both got Bianca in a women's match. I think we both got Bianca. I think we both got Bianca by distraction. Yes, I I don't think it's clean by any stretch of the imagination, but as hot of a heel as she is, I think it's very believable in my opinion. I think it's believable that she could win clean, so I don't think people would make a big fuss about her winning not clean. Yeah, and I think it adds a dynamic to to her character as a heel, that she would get the heat from not winning clean, and that would definitely force a babyface like Candace to elevate herself. Uh, so I think that's a good one. So now, finally, we can move on to the uh, the main event, which is. Uh, Adam Cole versus Tommaso Ciampa. And I'm going to say up front that I have Cole all the way on this one. So um, I do too. I, I, man, that's crazy. Because I, I was saying, I thought you were going to go with Ciampa, but I, I do yeah. as well. I think Cole figure too fast tonight if you have yeah. Ciampa. Although he's been back for a while and he's looked amazing in all of his, you yeah. know. Yeah, I mean, amazing. the dude has been on fire. But I think they're. I think the plan is like, uh, and when you get the chance to watch this week's NXT, I think you'll really you'll see like the. There's a moment where you're like, oh, the psycho killer is unraveling, and I think him right. losing would be the catalyst to his actual unraveling. And then you have a hungry 
vicious Tommaso Ciampa going after Adam Cole in a way that starts to make Adam sympathetic. And we slowly get our way toward that Adam Cole baby turn. But do you, if you do that, if you're running that storyline the same time as you're running Dream as this kind of vicious heel turn guy as well, are you like putting too much of the same thing in our faces at the same time? You know what I mean? Like, so that I do would be wonder. Very, that. Very I, do I was already kind of wondering that, that with Finn and uh, and Champa being on that. Yeah. I'm getting some kind of weird echo on your side. On my side? Or at least it's yeah, kind of weird. Oh. I don't know. It might be the fan on the back of this computer, possibly. Yeah, maybe. Maybe that's it. I don't know. I'm probably going to have to buy a podcasting mic. That way I can. Oh, are you wearing headphones? Huh? No, I don't have any headphones. Oh, okay. Yeah, so it's me and someone who just speaks on your mic. Okay, that's fine. Um, yeah, man, this, this one might be, I don't know, in my opinion, should be matching tonight. I've not seen a bad Adam Cole match, so there's that. <clears throat> and then... I. Th- I don't know, man. Looking at them at take uh, at takeover war games, which I think is the only time they've actually wrestled in the ring. To, no, they might have wrestled in the ring. Tag, but um, yeah, I think this may be match of the night at the deal. Yeah, with Cole going over. I just man, I just can't couldn't imagine them taking the belt off Cole right now. Because then maybe maybe the whole Velveteen dream thing kind of sprinkles over into this whole scenario. So maybe it's not just after Roger, but you know, since it was all four of them that put him on the sh- on the shelf with, you know, what I'm saying with uh, Roger being the kind of orchestrator of it, but not really. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe in a way, you Cole goes over, but then you have Velveteen really. You kind of sprinkle that storyline into it to kind of make your fans like, oh, man, we feel sorry for Adam because now Adam is under the same type of turmoil that Roderick is going through, and he's just making hell for the Undisputed Era at every turn. And then eventually that takeover temper, you have that bleed over and come to take the belt. Not distracted, not a distracted Adam Cole, but a very not focused Adam Cole, if that makes Mm. sense. It does make sense. I wonder if it's too quick of a play. Um, I mean, we have months to take over Tampa, so I mean, I mean, it's some months. We we could really build that in a uh, maybe not. I don't know. Too much in the dust. It does seem kind of fast and like all that. I think this speaks maybe volumes to the quality of the booking down in NXT, though, because it's keeping us guessing because of the, the avenues that they have already paved. Where right. you look at the main roster and it's just like, oh, what way are they going to swerve us next? 
true. That is true. So I got a good on them. I'm looking forward to the show for sure. Um, but uh, I think for a first episode, a prediction for NXT Takeover. This is uh, this is where we'll call it, and uh, and a good good audio test. So I'll take a listen and uh, I'll send it your way as well. Okay, sounds good, brother man. All right, man. All right, Doc.